Hi guys, welcome to Chemo Glow, where the glow doesn't define me, I define the glow. My glow is defined by my truth. And my guest on this episode reminded me that our truth was so different when we met nine years ago at a young survivor cancer support group. Her truth was she wanted her kids to know her. And my truth was I wanted to get to know my kids. Cancer redefines you in so many ways, but the truth is we define our own glow. Katerina is a beautiful woman and she has defined her glow over the years. I am thankful that I met her nine years ago. She is celebrating 11 years and I will be celebrating my 10th year in April. Please listen in, enjoy, peace. Welcome to Chemo Glow, where the glow doesn't define me, I define the glow. I am so excited for my guest tonight, Kat. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for inviting me. Thank you. Go ahead and introduce yourself because I call you Kat. So go ahead and introduce yourself to all my guests. Um, my name is Katerina Gemitter, and I am a, a young breast cancer survivor. I was diagnosed at age 32, um, and I met you, Regina, I guess it's been almost nine years ago. Yes, nine now, years. Right? Because you're going on, on your 10-year cancer ten years. Yes. <laughs> um, and I just hit my 11-year cancer oh, wow. in my diagnosis. Um, I am co-founder of Healing Pines Respite, and we are a North Carolina nonprofit. And we provide really healing for women with cancer all cancers. Um, and our goal is to really provide respite. So rest, um, yes. you know, our area in the triangle is focused on education and medicine, and we have top hospitals and doctors. And then there's that missing, you know, that gap that comes right after yes. they say, see you in three months, see you in six months, or, yes. you know, see you every month um, for our metastatic friends. And so that's where we come in and we um, it, we provide uh, free services for women focusing on connection and healing. I really enjoy Healing Pine Respite. We're definitely going to touch on that more. And I am so happy that I met you at the Young Survivor uh, Coalition, right? That yeah. So when um, I originally am from New Jersey and when we were looking for a place to relocate, it was actually it was post cancer. And we had a winter like the Northeast is having now where there was just snow and it was cold and miserable. And I was coming off of treatment and we had gone away for the weekend to Sanibel or it was like five days for spring break to Sanibel Island in Florida. And just feeling the sun, I was like, <laughs> I need more sun in my life. Um, and we just had been through so much and we needed a change. So, um, my husband was able to transfer from his job and we relocated to North Carolina. And when I was making the check boxes of, okay, you know, good schools, uh, good oncologist, sunny skies, um, local farms, there was so much that drew us to this area, job opportunity, but there was, there was not any um, support groups for yeah. cancer survivors. And at that time, specifically for young cancer survivors. And, you know, as you know, it's a completely different demographic. When, 
when I was in New Jersey, I remember going to a support group and these women were in their sixties, um, you know, and I remember they were so upset about their scar and they didn't know mm-hmm. how they were going to move through that. And we all have our own struggles and our own journey. And now I would say I'm at a place where I accept that and recognize that. But at the time I was a 32 year old mom worried that my kids were not going to know me ever because my daughter mm-hmm. was four months old and my son was two and a half. Um, and I just remember thinking like, this is not the place for me. Like mm-hmm. I'm crying. And, I've been there. Yeah. And so when we, I moved to North Carolina, that was one of the things that I wanted to set up. And I went to the YSC conference um, and spoke with Liz Sherwood at UNC, who ran mm-hmm. our group for a couple of years with me. And um, yeah, I was just felt very lucky. I was meeting moms when I moved, but I wasn't meeting cancer survivors. And yeah. there was this, I just needed to know local cancer survivors that got it that I could talk to. Um, so as much as I was saw the need for other women, I still needed that myself. I think it, that is, it is so important because when I finally met you at a YSC, it was because I was already at a couple of other support groups. Mm-hmm. And yes, they were good. One of them was actually pretty good. Um, the sister network was good, but I needed the younger you know, being diagnosed at 36 and having to think about um, whether or not I'm going to start a family or not, or what's next, I needed that young survivor um, group to help me get through. And so I really learned a lot from that group. And you guys were able to point me in the right direction mm-hmm. as well. So yeah. before we go all the way into when we met, let's back up a little bit. Let's talk about before cancer came into your life as for you were diagnosed with cancer. Tell me, had you ever had the experience with cancer before? Uh, yes. So at that, so um, we have a strong family history um, mm-hmm. and I do carry a BRCA mutation. And so we didn't know that at the time though, but when I was diagnosed, I knew the surgery that I was going to have going in. So a lumpectomy or mastectomy, none of that was ever in question. It was just mm-hmm. a mastectomy. I need to know whatever I can do to make sure my children know me um, mm-hmm. and I can spend more time with my husband. So when I was um, when I was in high school, I guess I was um, 17, my mother was diagnosed with an aggressive form of breast cancer. And that was the first time that it really had entered my life. Um, mm-hmm. And we didn't really understand metastatic cancer. We just kind of thought she went through uh, chemo, surgery, radiation, and she was going to be fine. Um, at the time we didn't have health insurance and my mother was undertreated mm-hmm. which is something that I now, that I now know. Um, and five was four years later, my mother's cancer came back. Um, and it was very aggressive. And from the time it came back, it was six months and then, um, she passed away and I lost, uh, my beautiful mother. Wow. And I had um, two sisters. And so we navigated through that. Um, and so when I got my diagnosis, it was, that's what I always thought, because I looked at my mom's story and I was mm-hmm. like, okay, I have three to five years. I have three to five years. And so during that time too, it was kind of hard to plan life because yes. I was always waiting to see, oh, is this going to come back or is it not? Um, and that, and for me, and I don't know about you, but for me, that probably at the probably the five-year mark 
um, with triple negative cancer was sort of when I felt, finally started to feel like, okay, this is going in a direction. Yeah. Always knowing that it's still there and, you know, we could be blindsided at any moment, but Mm -hmm. just a little more secure that, okay, this is, there is a chance that this will never come back. Yeah, when I was at the three-year mark, I remember doing a video because I was thinking about chemo glow long long before I started doing it. I remember doing a video and I was like, yeah, I'm not like at my hump year. Like I'm almost there, but not quite. But it's always, I'm always thinking, you know, three to five years. I got I, I have to get to that fifth year to mm-hmm. feel like like the doctor would say, you're like anybody else, but really I'm not, because I had to go through hell to get here. So mm-hmm. um it really did affect the way I moved, how I planned my life, if I planned, you know, those appointments that you have to have. But talk about triple negative. You said you were diagnosed with triple negative. Tell us a little bit about that. So when um, I just, I remember I went into surgery and they do things a little differently now, but at the time they didn't know that much about the tumor. So mm-hmm. we were waiting on surgery and waiting for the pathology. And I remember Um, my father-in-law had spoke to someone and he was like, you just don't want it to be triple negative. You know, and it was like, that's the bad one. Yeah. I'm like, you know, they finally run the pathology and they're like, it's triple negative cancer. And all I like heard is the bad one, the bad one. Mm -hmm. Um, But on the flip side, so with triple negative, there are higher recurrence rates, but the better, the good news is that after two years, your numbers really go down. And then the further are the further you are out, the better chance you are of not having a recurrence. Mm-hmm. So as the years went on, there was the benefit. And also not having to take um, extra hormones like tamoxifen oh. and um, at the time. So grateful yes. for small um, silver linings. Yeah, that is a silver lining because I cannot wait to get past my 10 year. But because I was pregnant, I have to wait a whole nother year because I had to come off of it. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you, that was the best time. My pregnancy was amazing because I was not on that drug. Mm -hmm. That made me feel like I was 90 years old. But I understand the purpose of it. However, once I'm done, I'm gonna be jumping Mm -hmm. up and down. I'm gonna be done. So cancer treatments too, it's like people think, oh yeah, she's through it. She's done. And I think a lot of people don't give enough credit to Mm -mm. the after effects and all that collateral damage and the continuing drugs that so many of us have to take. Yeah. And And then all the other issues that arise as a result of surgery and treatment Mm -hmm. and, you know, um, you know, in addition to just anxiety and Mm -hmm. all that go with it mentally, physically, they think when your hair grows back or when you're back at work or now you're volunteering, you're being that mom again, even your family and your friends think that you're good Mm -hmm. and you have so much going on at the time. Now, when you were diagnosed, what age were you again? I was 32. 32. What were you doing in your life at that time? So at that, so Lillian was two, um, Lillian was like two weeks old when I first found the lump. And then the doctor told me it was a clogged milk duct and then it was just getting bigger and bigger. Um, so I was really just trying to navigate life with a newborn and my two and a half year old son. Oh. At the time. And my husband was traveling a lot from work. Um, I was a teacher, a high school teacher prior to having my children. And then the plan was as soon as Lillian was like two or three that I would go back to teach. Uh-huh. 
Um, but life had other plans. <laughs> you haven't been back to teach, have you? I have not. No. <laughs> and how old is your daughter now? So uh, she is 11 and my son is turning 14 in uh, two months. Oh, my goodness. They are moving right along. Mm -hmm. So with your husband traveling, you, you know, you have your you have your daughter, you have your son, you have toddlers, you have an infant. Um, What did the doctor suggest to you? Because you were just, you know, you, you just given birth, you're. You're um, going through the treatment. What did they suggest you do at that time? I know you said surgery. Mm -hmm. Was there anything else? So it was surgery. And then I had chemo and I was on a trial drug called Avastin at the time. So um, and then I found out that I was not in the placebo group. um, And that was it. I did not have radiation at the Mm -hmm. time. Um, I think now, right, they offer it more to young women. But at the time, they felt that they were thorough enough that I didn't need it. So I was grateful for that as well. Um, So it was, yeah, chemo treatments, just trying to get through really those months. And I was very fortunate because my sisters helped me um, at the time and they sort of split up the week to spend with Mm -hmm. my children. Um, I had a good friend that helped cook for us and dropped off food every week. And, um, you know, I do remind my kids, like, you are loved. Like, we may not see our friends and family that much, but- when I needed it, like people showed up and mm-hmm. because they loved me and they love you and they wanted to make sure that all of us were okay. Um, and I'm just so grateful for that because I know a lot of women don't have that either. So it makes me fully appreciate that. Now you said that your mother was under treated. She didn't get the care that she needed. So when you were diagnosed, what do you remember um, from, you know, going through it with your mother? What did you need to advocate for So I think at the time, and I have to give credit to my husband for this because Mm -hmm. I was like just in like a complete whirlwind. Um, And um, one of my best friends is a doctor as well. So she helped. And within two weeks from my diagnosis, within two weeks, I had surgery. So it was a complete whirlwind. And it was just, what do I need to do? Get this Uh out of me. Um, And that's that's really what happened. Um, And. I think then after is, you know, we asked a ton of questions mm-hmm. um, and I think really during that time, I felt like I was sort of on a conveyor belt of yeah. me what to do. I knew I wanted the most aggressive treatment plan because mm-hmm. I, I was scared um, from, because it was just my mom's story that was in my head. Um, and the advocating I think actually came after, you mm-hmm. know, after Cause even during treatment, it was like, I'm having these side effects. Oh, you just have to deal with it. Or mm-hmm. then I need to go talk to a therapist. Like, Oh, we don't really have anyone that we can recommend. Like there was just not the resources like there are today at UNC. And I don't know where UNC was 10 years ago, mm-hmm. but now I know that, you know, with cornucopia, I mean, not sorry, with um, Lineberger, mm-hmm. we have the, you know, you can kind the resources of need more resources. Um, yeah. I did not have that. So I needed to seek it out. And I think the advocacy for me came more when I started like questioning the side effects and what mm-hmm. I could do. Like I remember asking them about nutrition and diet and it was like, oh, well, there's no evidence and everything in moderation. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I need a little more control than that. <laughs> so, um, and that's really when I just started to focus on what I could control, mm-hmm. you know, 
you know, mind, body and spirit, right? Like how do I work through anxiety to Mm -hmm. keep stress and hormone, you know, hormone levels. Okay. And, you know, what kind of food or supplements or what do I need? Um, And then that's really, I think where the advocating more came in. Yeah. And what do you don't need? What do I need to stop doing? Yes. It's so important. And 10 years with UNC, that's how I, I actually came to, to the uh, support group was because of Liz. Mm-hmm. And um, apparently the resource center was just, you know, it's, it was a new hospital. Um, there That wasn't there before. They used to do treatment on the other side of the hospital. And I chose UNC because of their resources, what I could get from it. And Liz actually came to me when I was having, when I was going through treatment and says, look, this is, this is a great group. You need to go see this group because mm-hmm. you, you, you're young. And I kept saying the places that you're sending me, everybody's older than me. So mm-hmm. at that time, they were giving all the resources, all the resources I took advantage of. But I was able to take advantage of it because my husband, his job was wonderful. We had mm-hmm. great insurance. You, you've you experienced it when you don't have insurance. So I was able to go and do those things. OK, so um, now that you've moved to North Carolina, how soon after you were diagnosed, had your treatment and you moved to North Carolina? I think it was um, probably I think it was like a year after finishing treatment is when we really decided that, yes, we're going to do this. Um, And yeah, I mean, we definitely we left friends and family and that part was hard, but Mm -hmm. I think for us, we really needed it. Uh, and I just noticed with myself too, just this past weeks of rain, I need sun, um, <laughs> warmer weather. And, uh-huh. you know, it's sort of like when I'm happier, the entire family's happier. Um, exactly. And so we're happy to be here. So in the first three um, years, you've had surgery, you had your chemo, you moved to a new state. How was your community moving into your your new community. Are you still in that same community? Where I'm living? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, so we rented for a year and then now, then we bought a house probably a year later. We just wanted to make sure we weren't too crazy with our move. <laughs> um, but so, yeah, we've been in the same house now for a while. And it's kind of interesting looking back at pictures and I can like think of my mindset at different mm-hmm. times too. Um, oh my goodness, I was in my head so much, you know, <laughs> like the years after mm-hmm. it's, it's just kind of interesting to think of where I was and where I am now, 11 yeah. years later. When I met you, you were in your head. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I, and I didn't know whether I was coming or going. So I was in the right group. Our mm-hmm. first group, our group of people that, um, we've come to love and know a lot of those individuals I still know them. I, we still, well, we used to go out, but now, you know, we do Zoom dates and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were all in this special kind of place. And for me, it was a fog. I had no idea. You know, I was so worried about um, just going through treatment and having a family and being in a new city and not knowing anyone. So I just remember you at that state and you really were finding yourself finding your placement, finding your balance. Um, used to bring in, you know, I remember you introducing yoga. You introduced us to, um, goodness, 
the needles. What are the needles? Yes, which I actually really love. Mm-hmm. And you are introducing all these ladies to all these new things. And, you know, and you can see where it was sticking at, mm-hmm. where people were like, this is new. This this is something I need to take care of my mind, my body, everything. Because like mm-hmm. you said, if you're not happy, people around you are not going to be happy. It's, mm-hmm. it's not possible. And, you know, at that time, after my diagnosis as well, it's like we did a 180. Like if you told me I was going to be getting acupuncture you know, I would have been like, mm, I don't know. About that. Um, so it was really cool for me to just be so open-minded with everything because I went in as well with the side effects and sort of that after cancer whirlwind of I will do anything. Like, tell me what to do and I will try it because mm-hmm. whatever I'm doing, like my toolbox is not big enough. Yes. Um, and I know Liz talked a lot about that too, right? Your toolbox and just adding to it. Mm-hmm. So, and still now I feel like the more I can add in, you know, and sometimes that's conversations or books or new ways of thinking about things mm-hmm. just to add into that toolbox to be able to access it when, you know, when we need it. And I, re- I remember I um, met with Pam Durham at UNC Lineberger mm-hmm. Um And, you know, one of the things that she suggested was like, you know, okay, when you're having a moment and you're spinning and, you know, at that point I still had two young kids at home and Jay was traveling a lot. She's like, just create like a sheet or note cards. So you Mm -hmm. don't have to think about which tool to use, but, you know, just like write down five jumping jacks or, Mm -hmm. you know, write down your favorite quote and put it on the fridge. Um, Just these little quick interventions that I could use when I found myself kind of at that like boiling point of, mm-hmm. you know, either losing it or kind of crashing, right? It's like cancer diagnosis is like this huge wave, right? And yes. I think for so long, I was trying to just like fight it. Yeah. So long. And Pam actually said to me, she said, you know, when you try to fight your feelings and what's going on, it's like taking a broom and sweeping away the ocean. And I was like, huh, yeah, totally what I was doing. Like, it's not gonna work, like I can't ignore it. There's no yeah. just forget it and move on. It's like you have to incorporate it and then yes. move along with it. Um, ride the wave, you have to ride that wave. And I felt like that, like you said, that wave just took me in whole. Mm-hmm. And then I'm fighting it, fighting it. And finally, when I started to just, go with it. Understand that me going with it doesn't mean that I'm not doing what I need to do, but finding new ways. And I was more open to going to a group of strangers and talking about mm-hmm. what was going on because I could say what I really felt, not what I would say to my husband, because here I have the fear of, if I tell him that all these things are going on, I'm feeling sick. Um, you know, that I set my alarm at 3.30. So when he's walking in the house at four, at least I'm sitting up because I, I didn't have the energy, yeah. right? And it, he didn't care. He just wanted me to take care of myself. But in my mind, I still had to be present and being present took some work. So that toolbox, jumping jacks, things like that. People think that is silly, but in my toolbox, when I have something going on, I say, I need 10 minutes. And I will walk in if he's in, you know, now that he's working from home and the girls are home all the time. I'm using my toolbox so much more. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I need 10 minutes. And the thing is, don't ask me what I need my 10 minutes for. I just need to take it. 
Mm-hmm. And I and I, now that we have this long, beautiful driveway, I'll take it, put on some meditation, and I'll just walk up and down the driveway. I know my neighbors think that I'm a little special around here because we're new to the neighborhood, but I'm just walking the driveway, coming back, getting a little bit of exercise, and I come back in, and I'm good. And it only mm-hmm. takes 10 minutes. Yeah. So, yeah, those are the things in my toolbox that I'm still using. And I think those just having a space, right? Like yes. and having a space between even the trigger. And I know in, you know, this, this COVID time, you know, my, both my kids are still online learning. My husband's working from home. Mm-hmm. All four of us are home all day, every day. Um, and I had to really use those tools. And, you know, and I think I've said to you and said to other people, it's like being a cancer survivor has sort of prepared us for this a bit, you know? Yes. You have those tools because mm-hmm. people are like, what? I have no tools. Um, but a lot of that, like early training yeah. um, <laughs> and, you know, not not know what tomorrow is going to bring, mm-hmm. you know, and what's going to happen. Am I going to get sick or not? Or, you know, I can't go to work. I'm stuck mm-hmm. at home. Life changes, financial uncertainty. Oh, my goodness. Um, it's really like the world has gotten a little bit of a glimpse into, yeah. you know, that that rug being ripped out from underneath you. Right. And they say those words and the little things that they I don't know about you, but when I was going through treatment, they was like, stay away from those open bars, those um, uh, those bars where you can eat all you can eat, all mm-hmm. that stuff. Don't wear this. Don't do that. And that's the same thing that they're telling us, you mm-hmm. know, wash your hands, wear a mask. Guess what? I was doing all that already. Mm-hmm. And um, unfortunately, my brother had uh, COVID and he was like, I'm in this fog. I'm having these sweats. And I was like, welcome to my world. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. I wouldn't wish it on anyone, but it kind of prepared me for what's going on now. Mm-hmm. Not, have, not being able to go out because you'll be exposed to stuff. So those mm-hmm. many, many things that I couldn't do when I was going through treatment. The only thing is now we're all locked in, all four of us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no one can go out. So it affects the way you behave. And so, I, you know, even after 10 years, or mm-hmm. it, it, it was interesting because in the beginning, I was starting to, like things were coming up from when mm-hmm. I felt like, from when the kids were so young and I was recovering from cancer and I couldn't go anywhere. And it was like that, that feeling of being stuck again. And I had Mm -hmm. to work through it and say, okay, this isn't actually, you know, about this moment because Mm -hmm. I can go for a walk and I can exercise. These are Mm -hmm. things I couldn't do then, but it sort of brought me back to to those times. And I've, you know, there's been another layer, right? It's like, that's something we talked about early in the yeah. too. Is like, oh, there's another layer. There's <laughs> another layer, and you're like, is this ever going to end? And just keeps on going. But for COVID, for me, I feel like I've had to work through like another layer of triggers. Mm-hmm. And why am I reacting this way? Or you, you know, with you know my children and husband and um, stuff just resurfaces. It's like yeah. if you don't. Deal with it, it comes back. Yes. Mm-hmm. I, you remember I used to always say, have your moment. Have yeah. your moment. Have that glow moment. Acknowledge mm-hmm. it. Because when you try to stuff it or put it away and you don't even acknowledge it, it's going to show up at, at a later time. And you're not going to know, why am I even angry at this? Mm-hmm. So I need to start having my moment. So I've been trying to, you know, take my own advice. Let me have my moments and be okay with it. Yeah. Because COVID is not going anywhere right now. It's going to be here for mm-hmm. 
you know, and the side effects from it, from the economy to everything, all that stuff. People are going to have their moments. We have to make sure that we deal with that. How has it been with um, some of the organizations that you work with or you volunteer? Um, how are you dealing with COVID and still trying to be there for the individuals that are part of your group? So with um, the YSC support group, we um, are doing virtual meetups and we're going to have one on um, March 2nd as well. And I mm -hmm. think there's going to be a sex therapist that's going to come in for that one. Um, and, and I think the intimacy issues as well are coming into play with COVID too, because it's like yes. kids around too, you know, <laughs> I mean, depending, or it's mm -hmm. hard to meet someone, you mm -hmm. know, this time. Um, but so with Healing Pines, uh, Jessica and I, and Jessica's the co-founder, and we decided to cancel our, our March respite um, mm -hmm. before, kind of before everything closed down. We proactively did that. And then we were both engulfed in, um, in like online school and managing children. But we were coming off of our fundraiser, which was super fun. And we were gaining so much momentum. So I, I think both of us, at first we were like, okay, this is good. We'll take a pause, reevaluate, thinking this was going to be over by summer. Mm -hmm. um, and then we sort of both, I think, mourned a little bit, like, oh, like we were working so hard and putting in so much time and energy to grow this. And then it was all at a standstill. Yes. So I think that one of the best things that happened for us, too, is we uh, were slated to get an intern from UNC, from the Department of Social Work. Mm -hmm. So Caroline has been amazing and it's, it's, we just have to roll with it. And, you know, like many nonprofits right now yeah. um, in the fall, we, we did some virtual events. Um, we did some yoga meditation and an acupuncture session just to learn about it. Um, and then we did an outdoor yoga respite, which was really great. So it was just an hour and a half on mm -hmm. Serenity Farm in Durham and it was just lovely. So once spring comes, we are hoping to have a few more of them that we can plan, kind of weather dependent. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we're hoping to resume in-person respites, either the half-day spa, maybe we'll start with that hopefully next fall. But again, it just depends on COVID and variants and vaccine rollouts um, to kind of see to see what happens. So we're still sort of in pause, but we are fundraising and making community connections. Um, we actually have a fundraiser going on right now, um, and it's a share the love fundraiser. Okay. And we asked for donations of vacation properties, and I think we're almost actually at our goal of 10. Um, and then we're going to do an online auction, and we'll send the link out um, if you can send it out as well. Yes, please. And there'll be an online silent auction. And then we're also going to do a raffle. Pinehurst um, Spa had donated a, a resort package, including spa treatments and hotel and breakfast. So we're going to um, be able to raffle that off too. So oh, that is great. Now, I have been on a couple of your events. They were amazing. We went to Pinehurst. Mm -hmm. um, that was great. I still talked to a couple of the ladies there. Um, we also went to Umstead. Um, that was amazing. Um, tell them what they can expect when they're donating. What exactly does the no donation give to the women who are going through all types of cancers, just not breast cancer? 
Yeah, so it's all cancer in North Carolina. We have an application on our website. And so the respites really just focus on healing and connection mm -hmm. and taking time to rest. So the two-day respite, we purposely designed with some downtime for mm -hmm. women to take what they need. And we always try to incorporate an art component as well um, and yoga. So tools that they can take home with them, but also it's just a time for them. Mm -hmm. To not worry about work or children or boyfriend or spouse or mm -hmm. parents or, you know, any of those life obligations um, to just really take a break and to be out of their home environment. Because mm -hmm. beautiful things happen, one, when you get women together. Yes. Especially when you get women who are cancer survivors together. Mm -hmm. You know, and I've, some of my friends that I've met really on, early on after I was diagnosed, we always say, like, Meet some people that are questionable. Mm -hmm. but like, I've never met a cancer of a survivor that I've been like, that there hasn't been that point of being like, she rocks. Yeah, there, there's always a connection. Mm -hmm. um, no matter what, there's always a connection. I actually brought a friend, I introduced a friend to Hill and Pines Respite. And let me tell you, uh, she has totally changed her life. She has moved. She talked about how she was unhappy where she was at and what she needed to do. And she has made those transitions and she is closer to her family. She's moved. She started a, a new job. She's doing all great things. And she told me after she left there, she had a lot to think about. And it was nice to see other people going through what she was going through, that uncertainty of it. Mm -hmm. So you, you guys are really helping women and she's so excited. You know who I'm talking about. She, mm -hmm. she's like so excited about her move, but I honestly don't think she would have looked at it any different if she didn't see what other people were doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it, it's definitely a blessing. Well, um, when you're doing these respite um, events and you're, you're helping people out, we have lost friends. Yes. We have lost people. How are you dealing with that when um, you have a group of women who get so close knit and then all of a sudden you have to send out saying, say, uh, uh, you know, sorry, but so how are you dealing with that? Because that's a lot to put on yourself. Yes, um, I, you know, I'm not quite sure we're, we're doing it in in any amazing way from the first respite. Um, well, first just to be clear, Regina, about your role. Regina has volunteered with us for a So she's our survivor extraordinaire um, to really just offer her insight and um, to really help women connect, which mm -hmm. you do amazingly. Um, and we're so yeah. grateful uh, for your time. And um, so after the first respite, the first woman that we lost, it was probably only a couple of weeks, actually, yeah. after after that respite. Mm -hmm. um, and we, we kind of, we have our own personal way of just sort of dealing with it. Um, and I think that was probably the hardest part. Um, and then from our first respite, I think we've actually had four women pass away now yes. and it's, it's hard. I don't, I don't know what else to say about it is mm -hmm. sharing time with someone. And then I also think about that, it, the impact that it has on, the women that are dealing with metastatic cancer, mm -hmm. that there is no cure for. Um, and we, you know, come, 
come from it from a place of, you know, what can we do? Like something in their honor or memory, Mm -hmm. letter to their family. But I personally just feel so much gratitude in my heart for spending time with each Mm -hmm. of these women because I know, you know, in my heart space and in my spirit, what each of them gave me. Mm -hmm. And I truly believe that when we have interactions with people, we take something, right? We learn something about ourselves, about them, about the world. um, And those are there forever, right? Just, just that love and, and connection. Yeah. One of the great exercises that we do at the end of each retreat, um, each respite is that we go around and we write something about each individual. And I remember getting that and then you mail it to us. And I remember getting that in the mail and seeing everyone's handwriting and what they would say, things that I didn't even recognize that I was doing or Mm -hmm. connecting them with, or maybe I had a connection and we just, it was just unspoken. Um, So doing that exercise was so wonderful. And I know a lot of the ladies really appreciated it. Even the people who we have lost during this time, their families have something to look mm-hmm. at from that. Yeah. So that w- that's, keep doing that exercise. Yeah. <laughs> that is a great one. So from Hill and Pines Respite to also doing volunteer with YSC, what else are you doing? Um, so um, in addition to being a homeschooling mom right now, uh, <laughs> time. Um, so I'm, I also just registered for the Duke integrative, um, health coaching, um, oh. program. Mm-hmm. So I'm, and I'm still kind of deciding how I'm going to use that, but, um, I think I may want to help kind of coach women who have mm-hmm. been diagnosed with cancer, sort of what I do, um, informally. Yes. Um, and, and you're so, great at, thank you. Um, And just connecting resources and kind of doing it on a deeper level to help coach Mm -hmm. women um, through such a difficult time. Um, So I'm not really sure where that's going to take me yet, if it'll just be used for healing pines or if I will do something else with it. Mm -hmm. That's something that I'm working on right now. Okay. And I was on Amazon and I seen your book on Amazon. Tell us a little bit about that. So um, the journal was actually uh, inspired by a friend because she had made one. And then mm-hmm. I was like, huh, I think I'm going to do that for Healing Pines. Um, so when quarantine hit, my family and, and I, I kind of forced them to <laughs> at dinner every night. We would just write, we would kind of write down what we were grateful for. And I just mm-hmm. would, would jot it down. Um, and so this, this journal, um, all the proceeds go to Healing Pines and it's just gratitude and joy. And I think that for me, w- gratitude wasn't something I practiced mm-hmm. pre-cancer. Um, I would think I was grateful and I was happy for things, but there was nothing ever formal that anything formal that I did. And so um, I started being more conscious of it throughout the day, but writing it, I mm-hmm. have has an even greater effect. Yes. Um, because it just bra- it rewires our brain almost to find the good. Like, okay, mm-hmm. what am I going to write tonight? What am I going to say tonight? Um, and so this journal was really an extension of all of that. And there's just quotes that have resonated with me um, with gratitude and um, just places to really write and journal and a way to be accountable as yes. well. 
Um, I think that we, you know, can be grateful for the people in our lives, but it, it also inspires for me more self-compassion and mm -hmm. self-love as well. Um, and I think that's kind of the heart of my practice. And I, um, yeah, just happy to share it. It was sort of a COVID, a COVID project for me. <laughs> wow. I love it. It's been up here since I started my second season, mm -hmm. along with my nice little pottery mug. Mm -hmm. I love it. And of course, I have on my shirt. I have to support. And we're going to definitely make sure we put our link up here because later you'll be doing a live with us. Um, later on. So we'll have our podcast, but I also want to do a live that way when people are on, we can talk about giving and donating at that time as well. Mm -hmm. And Kimo Glow will also donate at that time. Awesome. So you, you have some questions for me. Yes. So um, when we, one of the things when I first, when I first met you, um, mm -hmm. two things that have stuck with me and still do. And the one is to have your moment. Mm -hmm. um, and I do, um, <laughs> I, I'm compassionate with myself about it. And, mm -hmm. you know, just like that analogy of the broom with the ocean, it's like the, acknowledging feelings, creating mm -hmm. space, and then lets me move on. Um, so thank you for that. Um, and something else that, that you had said was, I think you had read a poem and you were talking about your truth. Yeah. And um, I think it was some, it was a poem that you read with in a mirror. I think. Mirror, mirror. Yes. Okay. Um, yep. You shared that and you were like, this is my truth, you mm -hmm. know, and you owned that. Mm -hmm. And that is something that definitely um, stuck stuck with me. And then, you know, I, sometimes I tell my cancer story or things that, you know, I've been through and I, I don't, it makes, it comes across as being like flippant almost, or mm -hmm. just like, and then da, 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 and people are like, oh. <laughs> um, and so, but, and then someone furthered on that um, in the beginning, we got a, an early state grant um, mm -hmm. from North Carolina department of health and human services for healing pines. And she, and I said, you know, this is my truth and my story and she was like, that is your testimony. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yes. yes. Um, and I thought back to you as well. Um, so my question for you is, um, what are what would you say are your three truths right mm -hmm. now? Three truths, whether they're scary or where they're there. Yeah, like three, three things that and that you know to be true right now. Three and, things that I know that to be true is mm -hmm. that I am in love with my girls mm -hmm. during COVID. Now the smile they bring to to my face, I like. Now the first part of COVID, the first six months when I was trying to figure it out, I you know I was just in a fog. But now when I see them, they're they're growing through this, and this is all that they know. Mm -hmm. So I am truly in love with my little girls. They are amazing. They make me smile. They make me laugh. They drive me crazy. But they are my truths. Like, I am so blessed to have them in my life. They bring me so much joy. It's like, you know, a cliche, but no, they actually bring me joy even when I'm pulling my own hair out. Mm -hmm. So that's one of my truths that I've been really paying attention to. Why am I smiling just looking at my daughters, mm -hmm. you know? So, um, yeah, Alex, who, um, you know, Alex and Kayla, Alex is my one that she can go and be in her corner. But last night, she never does it. She came in my room and she came in our room and she wanted to sleep with mommy. 
And she climbed in. That means no sleep for me. But she climbed in and I'm just sitting there. I'm smiling. And I'm like, but it's four o'clock in the morning. But my truth is how much joy they bring me. And then mm. when I asked her, why are you in here with mommy? Because Kayla's snoring. She's like, oh, well, welcome to my world. <laughs> so that, that is my first shoe. Um, yeah, I am in love with those girls. Mm. Um that I'm okay. My my second one that I know to be true, that I'm okay with being unhappy. And what I mean by that is acknowledging that I'm unhappy in any given situation, whether it's work, whether it's, you know, podcasting, like it's okay to say, yeah, I'm not really feeling this right now. So my truth is understanding that I'm okay with being unhappy. That doesn't mean I'm not going to work to, um, and that's part of having my moment. So what I mean by that, that's still my truth. I'm okay with that. It's how I work through it. Mm-hmm. And my third truth, which is a little scary, um, it is what will be will be. Mm-hmm. And once I was like, okay with that, because I had a scare in September and um, my husband couldn't be with me. Mm-hmm. Um, it was actually a dear friend that I ended up meeting up because she happened to be in town and just chatting with her. And after I left there, I went to our home site because we were building our home and I walked around it. And all I could say is, what will be, will be, you know, it is what it is until it is not. So mm-hmm. believing in that and knowing that is also my truth. It's a little scary. And people are like, oh, you don't have faith. It's not that it's acknowledging that stuff is going to happen, you know, because mm-hmm. cancer doesn't care when it comes up, when it taps you on your shoulder, when it wants to jump you in again. So those are my three truths. Mm -hmm. That's, that's amazing. Thank you for that therapy session. (laughs) (laughs) Those are all beautiful. (laughs) It's having those moments. Well, what are your three truths? Um, I, I, I think that um, the first one is that healing is not linear. And Mm. I think that this year has continued to show me that, that, you know, moving through life and our journeys and wherever they may take us, it's not linear. And, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, and that, that goes along with like, I'm not always going to be happy. And like, I say that to the kids, like, nobody's happy. (laughs) We can find joy. Yeah, we can, but, um, and another one is that, um, I think that the present moment is all we have. Yes. Um, And I think that this year has been a big test of that for me too, because I do start then to think about, you know, even the kids and school and their losses and Mm -hmm. their, you know, what needs are not being met. And it's just, we don't know. So Mm -hmm. coming back to the present moment is really all we have. And that's something I really worked on during chemo um, Mm -hmm. and after is just now, right? That's what we have. We have now. And let's focus on that. You know what? And even with the kids, it's like, what are you feeling right now? This will Mm -hmm. pass. This is not forever. Mm -hmm. This feeling and it will go. Yeah. Um, And I realized early on, I was like holding on to my feelings too much. Oh yes. Not allowing myself to move through them. Mm -hmm. Um, I see that with, you know, family. It's like, okay, this, this will pass. And I know trying to validate, but then kind of moving through it as well. Um, And I think this relates to me 
this relates to like, I think my whole cancer Mm -hmm. or post-cancer and this year too, is that empowerment feels much better than fear. And when I, I realized I was driven by so much fear, Mm -hmm. like with even lack of planning, just like, I may not be here. My kids may not know me or I have to teach Mm -hmm. them they're, you know, I may be sick again, or I'm not going to be able to get out of bed or walk around the house or all that fear. And it just led me to crash. And right now, right. I, I, it's like palpable in our, in our homes, in our society, there's so much fear. Um, and when, when I know I can flip it and look at it from a lens of empowerment, like what Mm -hmm. can I control? You know, Mm -hmm. I can't control whether my children are, you know, in school right now, or the world situation of what we need to do to keep, you know, ourselves and other people safe. But I can control, you know, what we do on a daily basis, or what we're reading, what mm-hmm. media I choose to look at. Um, oh, that's a big thing. Of all media. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just that empowerment, because we do get to choose um, how we react and what mm-hmm. we expose ourselves to. Um, and I people. Do. I love how you, at the very beginning of the podcast, you said, I want my kids to know me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't know that that was a fear of mine until they were here. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, I, I have to be in the presence. I mean, I remember um, calling my husband into the room because, you know, one of my daughters, she's thin. She's going to be thin like her dad. And I was just hugging her. And my husband was like, what's wrong? And I was like, do you think that, you know, they're going to go through what I, what I went through? And he has to say, you know, he just said, Regina, you're, you're holding our girls. Like Mm -hmm. you need to be present with them, be in that moment because that, that was a fear. So now I'm like, okay, I need to be in this moment. And that's why I say even COVID is it's it's horrible, but it has brought me to love my children in a way that I've never done before because I'm so present. You have to be, you have <laughs> to be present right now, or you're gonna lose it. <laughs> so just knowing that and you know, rethinking how you're doing things. Yeah, you know, everything is not gonna be sunny and it's not gonna be pretty. But mm-hmm. in my moment, I, I choose how I'm feeling. And if I'm unhappy, I'm going to acknowledge it. And and if I'm joyous, I'm trying to figure out how can I be in that state more often? So mm-hmm. that is a big thing. Yeah. Well, are you working on anything else? Anything coming up? Um, I <laughs> so. I think that's about it. Just trying that's to do things day by day. And, you know, and, and we feel I'm excited that, you know, spring is coming and yes. we can get, you know, outside again. Um, but yeah, we're just sort of day by day and trying to find the light and joy and gratitude and trying to be intentional. I think that's family. What this year has taught us too is how to be more intentional with time spent with conversations, um, with just kind of moving forward. Well, if people want to donate to Hillens Pines Respite, can you tell them where they can donate to? Yes. So through our website, um, healingpinesrespite.org, there Mm -hmm. is a donate tab um, and it's actually through PayPal right now. um, But the address is there also for checks to be sent. um, And the money goes directly to our respites. 
Um, and we also have some direct services. So in the fall, that was something else during COVID is we received a grant. We were able to send out um, grocery gift cards and restaurant gift cards. And also um, uh, we were able to cover oncology massages for women and also acupuncture. So we um, were focusing on direct services until, you know, we can sort of get people in person again, too. So if that's a request from anyone, too, you can certainly jot that, that down because um, we have, you know, lists for that. And, you know, our wait list right now, we're probably like we have 40 women that we're waiting to serve. Wow. Um, we're just waiting until it's safe. And hopefully it comes sooner and later, it's just so needed. And now more than ever, women are too isolated. And, mm -hmm. you know, a cancer diagnosis just, it, it just makes it worse in, in so many different ways. And cancer is not stopping because of COVID. Yep. So if they say the numbers are down, it's because we're not going in. Yep. So it's not stopping because of COVID. So you, your, 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 your program what you're doing is so needed for all the women in North Carolina. And I can't wait to go and volunteer again. So just keep me posted. Is there anything else you would like to tell our audience before we leave here? Um, uh, nothing. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I guess just my, my biggest thing right now is to just really be present. Like we yes. are, we, through all the hardships and I know people are facing so many different hardships mm -hmm. on so many different levels. It's a collective experience that we're all going through differently, but just, if we can just focus on anything that makes us empowered, just mm -hmm. over that year, I just feel like it, it just helps, um, helps get through the days and, um, until we can really see the light at the end of the tunnel here. Yes. You're not alone. I mean, that people are not alone, even though it feels that way. Um, and I know I've certainly felt that way often with yes. different experiences, but um, that you're not alone. Well, how do the young women um, join the group for the Young Survivor Coalition? If they're looking for to, to meet up on, is it the first Tuesday of the month? I think, yeah. So this is going to be March 2nd is going to be the next one. So we're on Facebook and you can um, search on Facebook. Uh, I think it's Triangle YSC Thrivers, mm -hmm. all the name, and you can get connected via Facebook. I'm always available as well via email. Um, I'm always happy to help connect people via resources or other young women that, that are at their stage um, on their you know, with their cancer diagnosis as well. Well, thank you so much, Kat. I appreciate it so much. You stay on. I'm going to close this out. Guys, the glow doesn't define me. I define the glow. And Katarina is definitely defining her glow. Thanks again. Sound editing is provided by Josh Masters. If you like what you hear, please rate and review the podcast in iTunes. Connect with Kimo Glow on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. You can also find more content at chemoglow.com.